It's so good. Hey, we're going to do something now that we normally do at youth on a Friday night, which is super fun, and we call it a moment of fire. So we're going to have two speakers come and just come and give us a revelation on something that God's speaking to them about. We at C3 Powerhouse Youth don't believe there's such a thing as a junior Holy Spirit or a youth Holy Spirit. We believe that the presence of God is for every single person of every age, that God can speak through any single person. And we just love empowering our young people to come and share what God's got for them. So um, right now, I would love to invite up the beautiful Gemma Pierce. I don't, there she is. Come on. Gemma is an incredible leader in our youth ministry. She leads an on-fire Senior High Girls Connect group. I love Gemma so much. She is just so wise beyond her years, and I just have so loved seeing what God's done in her life over Thank the years. Alex. So why don't you make her feel welcome? Thanks, Gem. Hey guys, um, welcome to our 6pm service. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to let you in on me a little bit. So uh, this year I'm in year 12, which is very exciting. And there's been many highs and some lows. Uh, <laughs> in saying that, I've loved it, but I am definitely ready for the next chapter in my life to start. You know, I'm very glad that I can say that majority of my year level has actually visited this church. Some have stayed, which is amazing, but I believe that those that have come and gone have actually had a seed planted into their heart. You know, in the book of Judges in the Bible, there also has been many highs and lows. And to simplify one of them, basically God rescued hundreds of thousands of slaves and he took them to an amazing land also known as the promised land, which I think is very incredible. And I'm sure they did and I'm sure their kids did. And because they would have heard... They would have heard firsthand the amazing supernatural miracle that God did. In Judges 2 verse 10, it says, After that whole generation had passed away, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. And I think that that kind of sucks that they didn't know the Lord or what he'd done, even though hundreds of thousands of people had been saved from captivity. You know, that generation may have heard, sto may have heard stories of their parents and grandparents, of how good God was. But at the end of the day, unless they encountered him for themselves, they would not understand. You know, unless we encounter God, we won't understand. And I don't want the generation that I grow up into not in to not know the, the love of God. I don't want the generation that grows up and that I raise up to not experience his love, his, the miracles like I do. I want us to be in and raise up a generation of revival. You know, what, am, what on earth am I here for? That is the theme, and I believe an important part is for us to be the connecting point from others to God. Just like the people in my grade have had opportunities to encounter God, so should we give the opportunity to everyone else. So I encourage all of us to reach out to those people who have never encountered God and His supernatural love, or maybe they have and they need to again. <laughs> Um, but let's not let our fear of rejection stop us from reaching out to those who don't have God. Let's be the connecting point. Let's be the reason for revival. Let's be the reason generations to come still encounter miracles firsthand. Thank you. Whoa, that was amazing.
Thank you, Jem. Let's be the connecting point. I love that. That's so incredible. Our vision for the 20s from um, the uh, incredible pastors, Pastor John and Danielle, that we would see young people apprehended for the call of God on, our, on their lives. And, you know, I just look at Gemma and I just see a young life apprehended by the call of God. And that was so incredible, Gemma. Thank you so much for that. Awesome. Well, speaker number two, I'm going to release the band first if that's cool because, oh, no, I'm not going to. Okay, never mind. Plot twist, not going to release them. Cool, that's all good. <laughs> um, I am actually going to invite up our second speaker for our moment of fire, which is the one and only Nick Hickman, as you can see on the stage. I have the honour of leading our youth ministry with Nick, and I can truly tell you that he's one of the most servant-hearted people that I know. He has a big heart, and he has a big heart for God and a big heart for every single person in this church. So why don't you make him feel real welcome as he comes to share? Howdy, friends. How are we going? Um, Gemma's thing kind of lines up with mine, which is good. It means we both prayed, which is nice. Um, but what I'd love to share about tonight, right? So in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's this guy called Paul writing to a church in a place called Corinth, right? And he says this, he, in chapter 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have all the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I, give all I, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Right, Paul's saying it doesn't matter what we're doing. Uh, if we're not doing it from love, it doesn't matter, right? You can do things that actually are very good things, right? You can do things like give up everything you have and give it to the church, right? That's a good thing. But if you're not doing it from a place of love, there's no point in doing it, right? Noth nothing is being gained from that. And um, the Lord has actually really challenged me about this, right? Because I'm, I'm on our worship team, right? As Alex said, I help her lead youth on Friday nights, which is awesome. If you're a high school age kid, you should definitely be there. But if I, can, I, can do, I could run the best youth program in the world, right? I could play the best set that's ever, 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 ever been played, right? Like every single person in the room weeping, right? In a good way. But if I'm not doing it from a place of love, nothing's going to change, right? There's gonna, it's going to be a moment, and that's it. Nothing in the future is going to be different because of what I've done. Uh, and this is like across the board, right? This is across your workplace. This is across, um, like, you can be the best person at your job, but if you're not doing it from a place of love for your boss, right, for the people that are coming into your work, it's not going to have long-term different, any long-term impact, Right, And so when I read this, as I'm sure the people in the church of Corinth did when Paul first wrote it, I was like, okay, how do I love people? Then like, what, if you could give me a step-by-step, -step, that'd be awesome. And Paul does exactly that. Right? He tells us, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Right? For us to be loving people, that means that there right, endures all things, means even the people we don't like. Right? Even those customers that come in and they walk through the door and you do scissors, paper, rock with the other staff member to see who's going to serve them. Right? Um, even if your boss is on your back all day, every day, even if there's that person in your connect group that just grinds your gears every single week, right? God's called us to love everybody, right? And if we're, because the thing is, right, if I do what I do on a Sunday or on a Friday night or through the week and I'm not loving people, it's going to show, right? There's going to be no depth to it. Um, and like the greatest love, right, is Jesus coming to die for us. And on Tuesday night, we were at rehearsal. 
um, the worship team doesn't just rock up and magically just, bam, we're awesome. Like, um, there's actually a lot of practice that goes into it. With, um, and we're at rehearsal, and we're having a worship night, and we're worshiping, and we're praying, and it's awesome. And the Holy Spirit's there, and um, our worship pastor, Lisa, was leading some prayer. And we're praying for our friends and family who don't know Jesus yet. And I, I was there, I was like right where Pastor Josh is pretty much, and my hands are out like this. And I was praying, and the Lord was like, like I've got two people on my list, right? i got my boss, and I've got this other guy that comes into work. Um, I work at Optus, which is like isn't somewhere you go socially, you know, but this guy keeps coming in, and he, like, I, I, from the first time I met him, I'm like, dude, you just need Jesus, like, the way his life is, like, it's legitimate, I'm like, if you just got Jesus in there, it would all be so much better, right, and so I, th- those are my two people that I'm praying for, um, that I'm inviting to church, and I was there, and I was praying, and God was like, would you cut off your hands for them to be saved, which not, it, for me, right, because God talks to us the way that we, like, understand, yeah? Um, to me, that's not, like, a pain thing. That's, like, I love making music, right? Like, that's my thing, right? Like, if, if, my, if I took my Insta bio seriously, it would say guitarist. Um, but, and God was like, would you give that up? Would you give up your ability to make music for forever, right? The thing that you love doing, would you give that up so that people could meet me? And honestly, in that moment, I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> And I, had that, and I had a moment where I was like, do I love people more than I love what I do? And um, good news, I, I landed on yes, I would. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely would. Right? And I was, like, I was like, man, if yeah, sure. If, I, if, if it took me never making music again, if the Lord was like, Nick, if you never, ever, ever make another song, if you never, ever, ever play guitar ever again, um, those two would be saved. I'm like, yeah, I mean, so my challenge to you tonight is, is loving people your number one thing, right? We're a church who loves people. Is that your number one thing? Is people meeting Jesus your number one thing? Um, and so I hope that's challenged you. Thanks, guys. Awesome. That was so good. That was powerful. Without love, there's no depth. There's no reason to why we do anything. That was incredible, Nick. Thank you so much for that. Good to see you haven't actually cut off your hands, though. That's really fantastic. (laughs) But you're awesome. We love you. Without going any further, we've got an amazing young man, uh, soon to be Dr. Isaac. At the moment, he's studying to be a doctor. He's been in our church probably for 18 years or something like that, 17 years. On and off. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, a little bit of off, but mostly on uh, from the wonderful Sansom family. And so I want yeah. us to stand to our feet tonight yeah. as Isaac comes to lead us Mom. and preach this message right now. God bless you, man. Thank you, Isaac. guys. The old COVID, COVID elbows everywhere. You guys can um, take your seats. Thank you so much for giving me a, such an awesome welcome. I got called young. I'm still, I slipped into the um, 25 and above category not that long ago, and it's kind of a little bit hard. I'm still feeling it. I don't know how, when you go to the 30, sorry if that like makes some people upset. <laughs> but um, I saw a really beautiful face in here before that I just wanted to honor, Pastor Kathy Clancy. I'm going to um, try and do this without doing a you and crying. But um, now she walked past before and smiled at me. And, and it's, we have what we call mothers and fathers in, in the faith, like spiritual mothers and fathers. And not just to myself, but to so many young people in this house, so many not so young people in this house, and especially my wife as well. You have been such a treasure to us. And I have some of my best memories is in kids' church just letting you sing over us, just letting us experience the presence of God. So can we just put our hands together for Pastor Kathy? She's so awesome. 
Um, I'm so glad Pastor John introduced the topic. It saved me a few few minutes, which is awesome. So we're in, uh, what on earth am I here for? And um, I heard a really good point last week. Um, if you guys haven't heard last week, make sure you get the podcast. Pastor John was talking and he said, um, there's sometimes what we consider random pregnancies, but there's never a random birth or a random baby. And I thought that that was such a beautiful thought. And it made me feel a little bit more special because I don't know if you guys have ever heard me get called Ross by my family. There might be one or two people, maybe not. But anyway, I have the nickname Ross for a reason. Basically, my parents were holidaying in Queensland um, <laughs> in, in 1993. And um, my mum was covered in mosquito bites and wondering why she was waking up sick every morning. And um, they went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I think you've got Ross River fever. But um, she did a pregnancy test just to check. And um, it turns out she was just pregnant with myself. So... Um, <laughs> So uh, in, <laughs> in their eyes, it probably wasn't exactly the time that they planned, um, considering they thought I was a fever. But, um, but the good news is, the good news is, <laughs> this might help some people tonight, God, God knew when I was coming out. Do you know what I mean? God knew when I was coming out. And um, so I love to know that I'm not, I'm not random. I was assured that I was planned. I was just a few years early. Um, but anyway... <laughs> I thought I'd start tonight's um, topic with an analogy because I'm quite a simple person, so I like simple thoughts. Um, I'm assuming everyone in here owns a car, hopefully. Some of you young ones, probably not. But when I got the um, topic for tonight, it made me think, right? I don't know about you, but I, I didn't buy my car for the air conditioning. I didn't buy my car for the comfy seat that I get to sit in when I drive. I didn't buy my car so that I can store things in it right? Those are all purposes of a car. They can be used for those things. But you buy a car for one reason, right? Transportation. If you don't, then you've got too much money. Now, um, but, um, but you buy a car for transportation. And the same thing, right? Tonight's topic is purpose and why we were created, right? There are many reasons, many aspects to our purpose, but there is one divine reason, right? Like the car was made for transportation, you and I were made for one thing, and that one thing I want to introduce to you tonight is to be loved by God, right? If you're going to take anything from tonight, it's that you leave here tonight knowing I was created for one main purpose, right? And that one main purpose is, was, is so that I can be loved by God. So if you've got your Bible on you or your phone nowadays, um, Ephesians 1, 4 to 5, it says, it should pop up on the screen behind me, you can follow along. It says, even before he made the world, that's a crazy thought. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure, even before the world was made. I love that. I need someone here tonight to, to know that before God even made the world, before he made earth, he sat there and he thought of you. Like he actually pictured you and he said, in this time, 2020, this is what I want to deliver to them, that they are loved, that they were thought of, that he wanted you with the personality that you have, he wanted you with the looks that you have, he wanted you with the traits that you have, all those things, right, that God knitted that together. And I can just see, Pastor John, you said it so amazing this morning, that that moment you were born, there's a smile on his face going, yes, like finally, I've been waiting 2,000 and something years for this person to come into existence. And that's for each and every one of you. So that is our divine purpose, to be loved by God. And so that begs the question, if our purpose is to be loved by God, 
then what is our calling here on earth? What, what are we supposed to do with that? And the one thing that I, I want you to take away is that our calling, if our purpose is to be loved by God, then our calling is to enjoy a relationship with Him. To actually every single day go, I am loved, which means I can enjoy Him. And I want to share a scripture with you tonight. It's quite a long one. It's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. In Luke 10, 38 to 42, it says, it's a tale of two sisters. Hey, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, such a gentle correction. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. I love Jesus, how kind he is, right? Martha wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong, right? Jesus didn't say, he didn't rebuke her. He didn't say you shouldn't be doing that. But he did make one really beautiful point. He said, Mary has chosen the better part. And the question I want to ask some of you here tonight is, is do you sit more than you serve? And what I mean by that is not sitting on a Sunday, but it's do you sit from Monday to Sunday at the feet of Jesus? Do you let him actually tell you that he loves you? Do you sit there and say, hey, Jesus, like, I have nothing to give you, but here I am. And what you find is that as you do that, his love just begins to pour into you and you realize why you were created. And so there's nothing wrong with serving. Like I said, Martha was not rebuked. Serving is amazing. Serving is awesome. And all the people serving tonight, thank you. Like, God loves that. But that should come from a place of knowing that you're loved. And so that's where Jesus made this distinction with Mary and Martha. He said, she has chosen the better part. Why? Jesus was present. And she said, you know what? If he's here, I know what I'm doing. I'm sitting in his feet and I'm just, I'm receiving. And that's what we need to do every single day, every single day. If you need to set your alarm a teeny bit earlier, sleep is amazing. But honestly, Jesus is better. And if you've got to lose a bit of sleep, then wake up that little bit earlier. So we've touched on our purpose is to be loved by God and our calling is to live every single day um, in that relationship with Him, enjoying it. Now that relationship isn't as a slave, it's not as a servant even, it's not as a worker, it's not as a philosopher, it's not as any of these things, but it's actually as a son and that's made, or a daughter in this case, it's made very clear in the Bible. It says in 1 John 3.1, See how much the Father loves us, that He has called us His children, and that is what we are. Very simple, right? It says that we're made in the image of God. And that's an amazing thing to actually think that God, right, who made everything. I mean, I was driving in tonight, and the sunset was absolutely, like, amazing, right? To think that God made that, like, is amazing. But He made us in His image, like, that is incredible. If you actually just sit there and you ponder on that for a moment, you realize how special you are to Him. And He hasn't just made you in His image, but He's made you for Himself, to be loved by Him as a son and as a daughter. And so tonight I want to share on five things that, that change in your life when you start to live realizing that 
God loves you, that you're made to receive his love and you're made to enjoy a relationship with him. So, uh, so the first one of those points is that you feel accepted rather than ashamed. So Romans 8, to 34 says, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. You need to know here tonight that you don't have to come to him with guilt or shame or condemnation. When you receive God, when you say, Jesus, I'm, I'm yours, have me. What happens is his, his precious blood, which we'll talk about more later, comes and washes over you. And so what happens is the father, when he looks at you now, he doesn't see any of your previous mistakes. He doesn't see any of your faults, any of your shortcomings, nothing. He looks, it's like a, a, a holy lens where all those things just disappear. And when he looks at you, he sees you for the perfect creation you were before sin existed. And so what I need you to know tonight is that when you come into that place with him and you, you receive his love, there should be no shame, guilt, or condemnation. The Bible says those things are not for us. And so I want you guys to know that as you come in this week, next week, for the rest of your life, you can come in not feeling ashamed at all. Step number two, or point number two, should I say, I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our request, he also, uh, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. There's a few little points to that um, that I'd love to point out. I love when I read the Scriptures. Sometimes God just makes little bits kind of jump out. But it says when we pray for anything that pleases Him. Like I said, I'm simple. I like to follow these things almost like God's very methodical, right? And He, he kind of makes it very simple, like a step-by-step. Step. And what happens when we love God is we come into His presence, no agenda, just sit with Him, and He begins to change your heart. And it's not, it's not about effort or works. You sit there, you be with Him, you let Him love you. And what you find is that your heart begins to become like Him. And when your heart begins to become like Him, when you pray, you start to actually pray for the things that He loves. And this is a promise now. Like if you start to pray for the things that He loves, it says that He hears you. And when He hears you, He answers your prayer. And so it's this amazing thing. You come in, no agenda, let Him love you. Your heart begins to get changed. You begin to ask Him boldly for things like a child to their father. And He begins to answer your prayers. And so it's this just beautiful simplicity that comes from knowing that your purpose is to be loved by God. I mean, you can come boldly. I was, I mean, the classic example is when you go to Woolworths and you see the little kid like following their parents and they're like asking for every single thing. And I think sometimes they don't even know what they're asking for. They're just pointing stuff out to just pull it into the shopping trolley. But I mean, it's the same thing, except that rather than just grabbing random things, we now know what we're asking for. And we have a God who is unlimited. He doesn't have a credit card that's exhausted, right? Our God is massive. Like I said, that sunset is extravagant. God made that. He's not limited. You're not coming to God. Like Pastor John said this morning so well, you're not coming and being like, mm, if I can just have that little miracle, if you've got a bit more power left, like His power is inexhaustible. It says He spoke and the world was created. Okay, He can give you that little thing that you need. He's not, he's not shy. He's not, he's not nervous. He's not, he's not stingy. And so I want you to know tonight that as you ask as a child of God, with the right heart, the right motives, bringing them boldly to Him. He hears you and He'll answer your prayers. So number two, bold in bringing your needs to God. 
This one's very personal. It says, I have peace in pain I don't understand. So when you know you're loved by God, you get peace in pain you don't understand. My um, beautiful wife, Sienna's sitting over there. You give him a wave, actually, if you don't know my wife. <laughs> yeah, say hi to Sienna. Make her feel welcome. I don't get to do that often, so I'm going to take a chance. Now, um, but um, peace in pain you don't understand. I've watched in this season my wife love Jesus um, like... Um, <laughs> dang, um, when it's really easy to love someone when everything's going well, do you know what I mean? Like everything's going amazing. You can walk into your prayer closet and just say, Jesus, you're awesome. And we should do that. But when you can go in and you can do that, when nothing seems to be working on the outside, like when your health is not good, when, oh man, <laughs> um, well, yeah, when, when everything's just not working well, right? And you can come in and that is the father that we have that sometimes he won't explain why it's going on. And we sometimes we don't need to know why. It honestly won't make it better. But we have a father, right, who is peace. And as you come and you spend time with him, like I've watched my wife do and myself, you just get this immense peace that never leaves you. We have this promise in Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Um, I love that verse, but one thing I want to point out is that that's conditional, right? It says that he works everything together for the good of those, of those who what? Who love God and are called according to his purposes. We've just discussed what the purpose is, Right? The purpose is to let him love us. That's why we were created. So really what this actually says is that all things will work to good in your life if you love God and you let him love you back. And that's what we've just been doing in this season and we should in every season in life. You sit there, you let the love of the Father come and you love him back. And sometimes you don't understand why something's happening in your life. You might not understand why you're in pain, why there's sickness in your body, why you're struggling financially, whatever it is, right? I just want you to know that all things work together for good. Everything. And it's funny because sometimes time is perspective. You're in it and you can't see and you're like, Lord, how can this work together for good? But then you turn around five years on and you can see the beautiful hand of God just weaving things together. And time and time again in my life, in Sienna's life, in many other lives, you will get moments where you stop and you reflect and you look back on a time that seemed way too hard to manage. But in it, you just see these beautiful gems that God's created in your heart. I mean, you think about a diamond. How are they made? Immense pressure. Huge pressure. It gets squeezed for years and years and years and out comes this beautiful stone. And sometimes that's the case with us right? Sometimes you're in the pressure and you can't see why. But then you come out of it and you look back and you're like, man, I'm sparkling. Do you know what I mean? And that's the promise we have in, in Romans 8.28. Number four, I gain courage to take risks. Um, I sh actually shared, I think, from this little passage in Joshua a few years ago, but it keeps speaking to me. Joshua 10, 12 to 13. Talk about courage. I don't know if you guys have ever read this story, but I'm going to read a verse from it in a moment. But the Israelites were attacking a, uh, an enemy army and they were running out of time very quickly to finish the job. 
right? The sun was going down. If it got dark, it meant that the enemy could get away and hide. And Joshua does one of the most wild things you'll read in the entire Bible. And I'm going to read it here in Joshua 10. It says, On the day the Lord gave the, the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ailon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Right? That begs the question, how did Joshua get that level of courage? Right? He didn't sneak off from the battle, like hide behind a rock and be like, Lord, can you make the sun stand still? If this doesn't work, no one's going to see me. Like it actually says he stood in front of Israel. Right? He gets all his men together and he goes, Lord, make the sun stand still so we can finish the job. Like that is, that takes massive courage, a huge risk. And that's what I mean. It makes me ask the question, what, how did Joshua know that his God would do that for him? And in Exodus 33:11, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. This is my favorite bit. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain in the tent of meetings. What was he doing in there? Right? If he can pray a prayer like, Lord, make the sun stand still, what was he doing in there? I'm telling you, he, he knew the purpose that he was made for. He's sitting in the tent of meeting going, Lord, if I'm here, I've got everything. Right? He's just receiving the love of God in the tent of meetings. That's how someone can come out, stand in front of all those people after the greatest leader in history has just passed away. You're now stepping up. Like, you can't get more pressure. And yet he stands up there and he's like, Lord, make the sun stand still. And that is why. Immense. You gain courage to take risks. Lastly, um, point number five, I worship instead of worry. I think... Worship instead of worry in terms of the Bible. The greatest story of this is the guy that wrote most of the Psalms. His name's King David. He had quite a wild life, right? He was raised a shepherd boy and he used to sit out shepherding his sheep, playing music, it said, on his harp. In that time, he learned to worship God. In that time, he learned to love God. In that time, he learned to fight bears, lions, crazy stuff. Then he was anointed as um, king to be. And then a few years later, he got up and um, ended up serving under the then king. He defeated Goliath, as some of you guys might have learned in Sunday school. I know I did. He killed Goliath, and suddenly the man that he was serving became extremely jealous. So much so, he tried to kill David numerous times. In the time that David was running, years and years and years, he was running for his life. Right? He continued to write these beautiful psalms of worship. In that time, there was an event as well where they were out rorting a small army and they'd left their women and children behind and all their herds and everything else that they had. And in that time, some uh, other enemies, some raiding parties came and took everything they had. And when David returned with his men back to the camp where they were, they realized that everything had been gone. Talk about worry, right? He had not only now all his women, children, valuables, everything gone, but now he had every single one of his own men wanting to kill him, right? They blamed him for what had happened. And so what does he do? It says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, David was greatly distressed, as you would be, for the people spoke of stoning him. 
But all the people were bitter in sorrow, in soul, sorry, each for his sons and daughters. And then it says this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? It means he turned away for a moment and he worshiped. He strengthened himself in God. He said, Lord, you don't turn up. Lord, I love you, but I'm dead. Lord, all I have is you. That's what worship is. It's not just a song. It's, it's trust. It's intimacy. It's letting him love you, right? And so you get King David strengthen himself in the Lord. God gives him a divine plan. He goes back and it ends well. But worship instead of worry. When you read through the book of Psalms, like I was saying, most of those beautiful songs that you read were written when David was on the run. And so his life was this displayed, right? He just learned to worship instead of worry. And so I want to encourage you guys tonight. I have no idea what you're going through. You might be going through a health battle. You might be going through difficulties. You might be having the best season of your life. But I want to encourage you that it's never not a time to worship. And worship is just so simple. It's what this is all about. Our purpose is to let God love us. You let Him just speak to you as you sing to Him, as you worship Him. You just get this beautiful perspective. And that's what it's all about. And tonight I've just been um, sharing just a lot about the love of God. And it's not something I've always known in my own life. Pastor Dan uh, said it before, but I grow, I've grown up in this church uh, for most of my life. But there was a season, there was a season where I wasn't so present. I think physically I was present. Most of the time I never stopped coming to church. But what I found was that my heart became distracted. My heart got off course. I found myself like Ben, just finding purpose in the wrong things. And it's, and it's very easy to do, especially when you're young. But I want to tell you here today that I made some honestly dreadful choices in those years. Many, many, many bad choices. But I'll still never forget the day. It was 2015 and it was at our annual conference. And I was sitting in the back row and a man was basically up here just talking about the love of God, talking about getting free from, from some stuff. And in all honesty, I half tuned out to what he was saying because I felt God's love. Some of you might be sitting here today and feeling the same thing. I felt God's love pulling on my heart, right? And it was a really unique love because in amongst all this love that I was feeling, I was also having my heart just, I guess, open to the the pain that I'd caused Jesus by how I was living. And it wasn't shameful. He wasn't condemning me, right? He was just showing me what sin does to his heart. And the Bible makes it super clear. It says that the price for sin or the wages of sin is death. Now we all die, right? That's something we can't escape. What it's talking about here in death is eternal separation from God. Right? It means that not just when we die, but where we go after we die. And it says that these wages for sin is death. But it says that, let me read it. This is, this is the greatest love scripture in the whole Bible. 1 John 4, 9 to 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might believe and have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And that's exactly what was happening for me. 
right? I realized that inside I was dead. I realized that inside I didn't have what all these other people around me had. I realized that I was chasing life in so many things that just left me empty every single time. But in a moment, God let me feel his heart toward me. And it, it wrecked me. It changed me. It, it did something to me. Before that, I was scared of what people thought about me. I was fearful. I was worried. I was always trying to be cool. I was filled with pride. I was honestly filled with pride. I was my own boss. I was lustful, deceitful. I dishonored my parents. I did things that I wish I never did. But in a moment, like I just felt such deep love from God. And it was immense because he's called me forward, the, the speaker, for something that was difficult to do in front of people you love. I remember the altar call wasn't even one like this where in a moment we're going to close our eyes. Everyone's eyes were open. Everyone's standing. And he's like, if anybody here has a problem with porn and lust, come forward. And I realized in my heart it was more than that for me. I was like, Lord, I'm not just coming to get free of that. I want it all gone. Jesus, I want all of you. I want all of you. And I'm telling you, you know why Jesus can ask for all of you? Because he literally gave all of himself. He, he comes into the world full of people that he made, and he lets himself be dishonored. He lets himself be stripped naked. He lets himself be pierced. He lets himself be whipped. He let, like we, we sometimes make that, that scene in our hearts and in our eyes seem a little bit more glamorous than it was. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied about that moment with Jesus, and it says he wasn't even likened to a person, to a man. You couldn't even, you, when, you, when they looked at him on the cross, he didn't even look like a, like a person. Like that's how beaten he was. And I'm telling you, he did that so that he could pay the price for sin, right? So that when Jesus, when the Father looks at you, he looks through the filter of the blood of Jesus, like I said before, and he sees you as everything Jesus was, which was perfect, spotless, no blemish. And so can we just close our eyes tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good.